Hello everybody, you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast for Sunday, the 15th of April, 2018. Well, you're very welcome back to the podcast. I hope you've been keeping well. Your skin looks ravishing, it's got a glow. Uh, Your eyes are no longer bloodshot. Uh, Your hair looking uh, unseasonably washed for once. And you're wearing your Sunday best because what else would you be wearing while you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast? That's right. I expect you're all out there in podcast land wearing uh, your uh, your dress to the nines. Uh, you're all gussied up. You're looking good. And instead of hitting the town, you're sitting in a dark room and you've hit play on your podcast machine. Be it, uh, I don't know, something to the, the traditional internet way of getting it. Uh, we also have a uh, special uh, uh, courier uh, gibbons uh, that uh, bring cassettes all over the place. That's been really not a huge success in terms of getting it out there, but um, uh, we have made uh, the local news and um, the area has become a focal point for cryptozoologists who believe there's some sort of weird horde of ape people uh, living in the woods. They're not, they're just gibbons uh, that I give cassettes to and tell them to ferry said cassettes to uh, the listeners. So, uh, but don't tell the cryptozoologists because there's nothing like a a little bit of a mystery. Uh, So I hope you're all having a good week. It's been uh, bedlam here uh, in the uh, the parish. The local TYs are preparing for their graduation ceremony and I've got to stop it. You see, uh, some of the TYs I've I've had to, I've I've had had a hand in having them held back to help me with the podcast and uh, uh, some of them are too happy uh, one of them um, it has uh, it's, it's sort of uh, it's gone missing because they didn't want to go to school anymore because they kept having uh, nightmares about a big scary priest who kept yelling at them uh, because they weren't doing a good job promoting the podcast on their social media uh, it's a very simple uh, product to sell uh, it's a priest talking about the news, and it's for everyone. That's the that's the target audience. It's everyone in the world. So, how difficult is is that to to, to sell? But uh, they're having their graduation um, later on this week, and uh, they're going to be performing a song I've written at it called "We Love You, Father Quick," and uh, so I've got to go and hear that. But um, uh, I have to, as the year tutor, I have to sign the graduation forms, and um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sign them all down on the dock, <laughs> and that way none of them will graduate. And when they come next year to start, you know, on the leaving sort sort of course, I'll be there saying, "Oh, take your certs, lads. I think uh, I think you've been uh, I think you've been misled as to your degrees and your." Um, <laughs> you didn't graduate anything. That cert, that cert is bobkiss. But sure, here, look, we're not here to talk about all that. I mean, I just did talk about it, so I guess in a way we were. Uh, uh, we're here to talk about much more pressing matters, so uh, please, uh, in, if, if you're all dressed up in your tuxedo or your, 
your ball gown, sitting there in the dark. Uh, get ready to get excited to listen to this week's Sunday Sermon Podcast. The Transylvanian filmmaker Milos Forman has died. Uh, he uh, came from the spookiest place in the world and set sail for America to make uh, compelling dramas about the human condition and also the Jim Carrey train wreck Man on the Moon. Now, um, Man on the Moon uh, is a film about a messer who loved messing and uh, he got sad because not everyone got his his brand of messing. And uh, the film itself is grand, but uh, there's a behind the scenes uh, that uh, will have you absolutely fuming uh, at, at even listening to the song Man on the Moon by Rem, uh, which is a fine song, but uh, it's been tarnished. Uh, I'll tell you what happened. Look, basically, uh, Milos uh, and I knew each other uh, from back in the day, and um, we were all part of the same um, uh, boxing darts club. Uh, you'd uh, fight someone, and then you'd play darts, and then you'd fight them again, and you'd play darts, and um, he was fantastic at it. Uh, he had the, uh, they called him the Transylvanian Terror. And uh, Milos, very nice man, and uh, he agreed recently to read Rubik's Cube. It's a screenplay I've been working on for some time. It's a sci-fi head F, and... Um, uh, Milos was going to read it and give me notes, and uh, I was hoping he'd pass it on to Brett Ratner, who's a very talented filmmaker. But uh, unfortunately, Milos, he's dead, and uh, nothing's going to come. You know, that plan is completely completely ruined. We're going to have to come up with a completely new plan. And uh, uh, then I saw on my way flying over for the funeral, um, I was going to do a tight 10. Um, on my way over, I watched this Jim and Andy film, uh, where Jim Carrey uh, sort of terrorises a set. It's like getting a job, um, say, as a barista, and on your first day, you make everyone call you Coffee God, and uh, uh, you have to call them Coffee God. And while they're making their coffee, they're unbearable. They're screaming, they're kicking over all the expensive coffee-making instruments. Uh, they're... Uh, touching all of the chocolates and pastries with their hands. Uh, they keep saying vulgar things to all the, the customers who keep coming in, but there's the owner of the coffee shop says, no, leave them alone. They're, they're a genius. Let them, this is, their, this is their way. Sorry, coffee god. You keep getting that Americano going uh, while uh, 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 screaming about... Um, uh, uh, fluoride and v the dangers of vaccinations to um, these uh, these two small children who've actually just come in looking for directions away from the scary man. Uh, so uh, to see Jim Carrey there uh, swanning around the memorial, acting sad, his greatest acting performance to date, apart from his very moving performance in The Truman Show and... Um, uh, the prison film is uh, the smooching Ewan McGregor. He was good in that, and uh, okay, he's pretty good. But you should have seen this performance. Insincerity. Uh, you, uh, it was it was blatant. Uh, if he was chocolate, he would have 
et himself. It was like Lee Harvey Oswald showing up at JFK's funeral and walking around, looking solemn, shaking hands, going up to the widow, Jackie O, saying, oh, it's terrible. She says, yes, I agree. Why did I do it? I think, well, you tell me, Lee Harvey Oswald. Maybe I shouldn't have done it, Jen. Then none of us would be here and he'd still be alive. I suppose so, Lee Harvey Oswald, when you put it that way. I mean, having to talk to Jim Carrey at the funeral of a man who... Uh, he had taken years off his life. Anyone who watched that film um, would come away with the conclusion that in here is enough evidence to send Jim Carrey to the goddamn chair for take robbing years of Milos Froman's uh, life foreman, the Transylvanian Terror. And uh, the, the, the man who was supposed to pass my script, Rubik's Cube, onto Brett Ratner and really get this thing started. And it's not happening now, and it's all because of Jim Bloody Carey. And um, so uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, uh, Milos, I'm sorry you're dead. Uh, Brett Ratner, if you're listening to this, get in touch. And uh, Jim Carey, if I ever see you again, I'm going to put your bloody goony Canadian face on the inside of my lovely white marbled wall. It's with great sadness that I announce that Stan Lee, the creator of the Marvels, uh, is uh, dying. And he will be dead soon, and is very sad. I don't say this with any glee. No, sorry. Because a lot of people say that Stan Lee, uh, some of them say that he's a man who made his fortune ripping off everyone he worked with. And the thing, it's sad to see him, at the end of his life, being taken advantage of by his uh, horrible relatives. It's almost like it's some sort of karma uh, that's um, uh, sent down by the puka of Jack Kirby the man who created all of the Avengers and uh, who Stan Lee said well he didn't create the Avengers in the way that I did in that it says I did and he didn't and that's not just because I own the whole bloody thing uh, but um, that's how I feel and so Jack Kirby was a, a, one of the greatest, most important comic book artists who ever lived. Uh, he was sent away from Marvel HQ's glistening millionaire towers and he was forced to go and live in a soul diet of potatoes and pain out in the unwelcoming streets of San Francisco. He lived as a bum. It must have really been a real kick in the teeth any time he saw Somebody dressed up as the Incredible Hulk going off to a party. Jack Kirby would be there dressed in a dirty undies and a big beard and a vest and uh, black communion shoes dragging along a trolley with no more wheels filled with bags that look like they're full of shit and I'd be looking over at them going oh if only I had a little bit of the money oh that would be so nice I wouldn't have to live this way and uh, uh, it's uh, of course um, uh, he died in a pauper's grave he would dog them uh, for a living <laughs> and he died one day and had a heart attack and fell in the grave and they said oh this grave's already got a body it's already got a pauper let's just fill it in uh, 
wait, let's get Jack Kirby to do it. It's his job. Jack, Jack, where are you? So that's how Jack Kirby died. Uh, working, uh, a pauper, grave digger, uh, which um, paid quite a lot. If you know, fifty quid an hour. Uh, they did ask him in the interview. They said, uh, "Do you dig graves?" Jack Kirby thought about it and then said, "Not especially, but I guess they have their place." And uh, that's how he got a job digging paupers' graves. Anyway, he was poor. Stanley was rich because he'd made an absolute fortune off him, and. Um, Jack Kirby, when he was alive, he used to write messages on potatoes and throw them at the windows of the offices of Marvel that Stan Lee would always be in. Uh, it was a great big building at the very top in the penthouse. Stan Lee's office is where he'd stand and stare out at this stinking city. And that's uh, Jack Kirby just didn't have the reach to throw the potato all the way up there, the potato with the message saying, Stan, comma, help, comma, Jack, stop. Because uh, you can't write much on a potato. Uh, that was Jack Kirby um, overextending himself. If it came to writing something for the comic panel, there was no one who could beat him. If it came to try to squeeze more than four words on a potato, uh, he was lost at sea. And uh, really, that's why he died poor and deservedly so you need a little bit of uh, cute horrorism to get on this life and that's why Jack uh, uh, Kirby he was a bit of a sucker and when Stan Lee dies uh, he's going to uh, lads with big necks uh, that part of heaven uh, along with you know just complete badasses well uh, Jack Kirby I guess he's in potato heaven eating potatoes all day long this week, the Repel the Ape movement uh, earned over half a million quid, euro, not uh, lira or something, or Lego box. No, uh, there's an ape, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from my understanding of this. And uh, this ape, it's full of 20th century values, and it wants to climb up on our lovely churches and swat away priest-piloted spitfires uh, as, it, as it carelessly clutches our children's future between its hairy, violent knuckles. That's right. Uh, yeah, they're uh, raising money to try and get this ape repelled. And uh, look, I'm not fully up to speed on the ins and outs, but uh, uh, what the no side are up to. But all I need to know about the no side is no. And uh, no is enough for me to show up anywhere and scream in people's faces. See, when my fellow um, hedge fund students... Uh, protested uh, against having to sit the junior cert in an open field in the, in the howling rain after our hedge had been stolen by the British. They all said, let's not do this, let's protest this. And I said, no. I said, I like sitting in a field in the lashing rain, uh, being uh, shouted at by an old man with a stick who's mean to me and hits me with it, while trying to write a letter to an imaginary pen pal in France about my hobbies and or the places of interest there are in this uh, 
five-house hamlet I grew up on the side of a mountain 72 miles from civilization. I enjoy doing things like this. So you could say that I've had the rebel streak inside me from a very young age. And uh, I all I needed at those protests was to hear people saying, yes, 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 and I'd jump out and i say, no, no, no. And uh, I'm all the time putting that into, into action in my regular life. If I see people in the cinema and they're up at the machine buying tickets and they say, oh, Ready Player One starts in 10 minutes. Uh, a Quiet Place starts in 20 minutes. Maybe we see Ready Player I go, no, no, no. And they'll go, okay, maybe maybe see A Quiet Place. Go, no, 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 don't see that either. And um, I try and sort of confuse them and um, uh, give them an experience uh, they'll never forget. And um, a lot of people don't like it when a seven-foot-tall priest runs at you shouting, no, no, no. Uh, in a in a s- cinema lobby where you're having a private conversation about what to see next, and uh, those people are yes people. Uh, why did they get to hijack that? Uh, it's like the positivity uh, is associated with yes. When are we going to get uh, finally start associating it with no a bit more? Because positive things happen when you say no. It's like, will we have another pint? No, we've had enough pints. If we have any more pints, we'll get sick. See, that's where no is helping you out. Uh, somebody at a party uh, says, hey, let's go upstairs to the host's bedroom and try on their clothes and take pictures with our heads cut out. And then we'll send those photos to the... No, we'll print out the photos and then we'll leave them around the house another day. And say, no, that sounds like a lot of effort. Let's just uh, just have a good old party prank and um, start a fire in his jacks. Uh, sometimes no is the, the only way to go. And so that's, uh, I was in there with John McGurk. We were trying to brainstorm some new things. Uh, go for no uh, is one of them. Um, it, it is difficult working with John McGurk. He's someone that uh, you throw out an idea and uh, he kind of look at you with those little piggy eyes of his and kind of snort dismissively and it's back to the drawing board. And, uh, of course, he makes a lot of money, not just in um, uh, leading... Um, ultimately um, failed campaigns. Uh, they all fail. Everything he's involved with has been a, uh, been a professional failure. But he makes his real money uh, with uh, people who've um, uh, people who've, who've swallowed things that they shouldn't have. And um, people who, for whatever reason, uh, their gag reflex doesn't work. Uh, people like that, they, uh, people who can't puke, they travel for miles around to spend up to five seconds in a lift with John McGurk and a bucket and uh, before they've gone from the ground floor to the first floor, uh, that bucket is filled, baby. And they give McGurk 150 quid and uh, he totters off. And uh, he's much more focused on that. I think he's really phoning in the, uh, the, the no vote. Here are the new campaign slogans for the no side. Vote no for go. No for go. Go know yourself. Snow? No. Vote no. And the last one. Wanna fuck? Vote no. Uh, it has uh, been a very distressful week for my uh, good friend Conor McGregor. Um, after uh, spending some time with him last week and uh, 
saying, uh, oh, I wouldn't take that if I were you, and things like that to Connor, and basically riling him up to such a state that he and a bunch of knuckleheads got on a plane and flew over to to, to America to throw a dolly at a bus. Uh, I have my... I've told my hands up and I have to apologise to Connor uh, because I was with him the day that he decided to, to go over and I admit now I was winding you up a bit by saying, oh, why don't you go over there? And uh, he's at your mate, that lad. Um, why don't you go over and throw something at his bus? And Oh, oh, do you hear what he said about you now? Oh, you should, oh I'd be really mad if I were you. Oh, are you going to take that? Oh, I wouldn't take that. Oh God, if you if you let him get away with that, the bug stops here. That's uh, who knows what he's going to be saying to you next, Connor? Who knows? Oh no! Oh God! Oh, what are you gonna do? Oh, you're gonna have to hit him, Connor. You're gonna have to hit him. You and the whole crew, you and all the good time guys. You're gonna have to get your asses over to to, to Dublin Airport, and uh, you're gonna have to fly over there, and you're going to have to. Uh, uh, you're gonna have to show them who's boss, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't take that if I were you. Anyway, there was there was hours and hours and hours of that, that uh, led Connor to head over, and I'm very embarrassed now because um, you know the, the big mess that happened, and um, uh, and also uh, do- dollies. I, I, I know that Connor's very upset. He wants everyone to know that it wasn't a. He's been slagged off by some blind people on Twitter who said, oh, why are you throwing a dolly at a bus? What harm could that do? And then other blind people say, well, he threw the dolly with such force that it broke the window, so should we really be goading this man? And he said, look, Quig, they all think I threw a dolly, like a little little girlie's dolly, a dollyne, a little babog's toy, and I didn't. I threw a thing for moving things that they call a dolly. I need you to get this word out there that I threw a yoke used for moving things. It was metallic, it was big, because these blind people on the internet are uh, slagging me off. And I'm very sensitive. So I just want to get the word out there to everyone that uh, Connor threw a big metal yoke and it wasn't wasn't like a Miss Biscuit type of doll. And uh, also, while I'm talking to you about Connor McGregor, why are you listening to his uh, sister's voicemails? Those are private. Why is your one putting them up in the first place? The lady who was accused of... Basically, there was a tanning salon dog thing incident. Uh, the lady that uh, tans uh, Conor McGregor's sister's dog said, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm too good for, to, to put up with the likes of you. And then put a... And to prove the point, put uh, her voicemail... And um, uh, Conor McGregor's sister's voicemail up, and um, uh, it, it doesn't speak volumes about your uh, professionalism if you're putting up voicemails of your of your clients, no matter who you are. And I learnt this when I accused uh, Vidal Sassoon of uh, doing a rush job on me uh, before a big uh, Monte Carlo uh, uh, who can throw the bale of hay the furthest competition. And um, uh, we got into a big old fight and I ended up uh, sending our correspondence into Esquire. And long story short, uh, Vidal Sassoon 
uh, never visited the parish again. So uh, don't look at Conor McGregor's sister's voicemails and um, uh, uh, just concern yourselves with yourselves. And that's about it uh, for this week's Sunday Sermon Podcast. I hope you all have a terrific week ahead of you. And uh, if it looks like it's going to be terrible, just sleep all day <laughs> and uh, go and see a doctor if that persists for more than a year. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. So until uh, uh, next time, God bless you. God bless me. And please rise for the hummock. Uh, hello, this is Giles here. And if you'd like to uh, support the podcast, uh, why not pop along to the Workman's on the 26th of April that's a Thursday night, um, the 26th of April, 2018. Uh, we're going to be doing another show of The Mess Around. It's a comedy night that myself and Colin Chadwick host. And uh, there's uh, sketches and fun, and we have some great stand-ups. Uh, going to be there uh, this uh, coming one. Uh, upcoming one, we've got um, uh, Ruth, uh, Ruth Hunter, who's fantastic, and uh, Hannah Mamelis, who's also really great and uh, there's going to be lots of sketches and uh, stand-up and good old time and who knows uh, uh, Liam Nugent may also be there uh, he is like the Scarlet Pimpernel of Irish comedy who knows when he'll turn up um, uh, uh, but yeah if he's not there um, it's only because at the time of recording I haven't double checked yet so uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast I uh, hope Hopefully you can make it to the uh, workmen's. If you can't, it's fine. Uh, you know, and other people, you got you got other things on. But um, yeah, any support for the podcast that you give, uh, a retweet or anything like that, is uh, or just tell someone about it. Uh, it's uh, it'll bring you closer together. Uh, so that's it for uh, this week's outro. As always, I'd like to thank Conroe Tool, Jeremy O'Brien, um, Emma Keaveney, Peter McGann, and Colin Chadwick. And I'll talk to you later on. <laughs>